Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin, and my guest today is the author of the, of the book, The Story and Life of an NFL Ex-Wife, Miss Angela Marshall. Thank you for joining me. Hey, thank you so very much for having me. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely welcome. I, I, I came across your page because um, you actually one of the few people who took the time to sponsor your work. So a lot of your posts was coming to, um, coming down my feed. So one day I just checked it out and I was like, I like, I like her message. I like what she's putting out. So I decided to give you a follow. And then as I continue to follow, I decided, you know, to reach out and see if you wanted to do the podcast. And here we are. Absolutely. Social media is a really good tool. If you use it in that format, I know a lot of people feel like social media causes drama and it causes breakups and all of that but it's just like any other thing in this world everything you have to utilize self-control and then you have to have the mentality to want to use it for good so absolutely do you since you made do you feel like you have any issues navigating social media or from time to time I do because uh, I'm sure as you know you get different types of uh, people in your DM <laughs> or in, in your inbox, in your messenger. And sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming as far as like, you know, who to trust and who to actually respond to. And then you get, you know, requests and, and just all types of proposals out the yin yang about this and that. So sometimes it can be a little bit difficult. And then the other piece is just making sure that I am controlling my time so that I'm not just on social media, on, on any of them, even with LinkedIn, which is a very good business tool, but you just have to make sure that you're that it's not consuming you, that you're using your time wisely. And that's what I'm trying to get better at, just using my, you know, navigating through social media, using my time wisely. When would you say you got, when would you say you got comfortable navigating social media? Oh my gosh, let's see, I've been on it since 2009. I started my business being a creative con content consultant as well as speaking and being a published author in 2016. So I probably just got settled in 2018. Now, I mean, I was making posts and I was doing everything that I'm doing now from trying to inspire people, trying to uplift and encourage and just being my authentic, transparent self. <laughs> but like I said, it's just sometimes social media can be a little bit it can cause burnout because it's just so much drama and negativity and craziness that's on it. So sometimes I find myself needing a really, really good disconnect. And so I'll just kind of go off the grid for a couple of weeks. Some, sometimes I've even gone off of it for like months and then, you know, do a hard reset and then come back because social media is also a very good tool, especially from a business standpoint to be able to get everything that you're doing, product services, your message or platforms across the globe it's an amazing amazing tool for that but it just goes back to what I was saying earlier we just have to make sure that we are having that 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 self-control and it we are in control of it it not being in control of us because you because you rely on it um for business and you said you take sometimes you may take a couple of weeks off maybe as much as a month do you ever get concerned that you may set your business back Nope, because I feel like whatever I, mm, I'm going to use the term lose or any losses. I'm going to use it really, really loosely 
because I feel like what's for me is for me. So during that particular period for any book sales that I don't garner or any shows that I'm not on or anyone that is trying to reach out to me and can't at that particular time, I feel like if it's meant to be eventually uh, at some point, we will connect and we will align. So no, I don't really, really hold that, uh, you know, in high esteem, especially from the standpoint of people, because like with people that I'm connected and I'm really close to, they have personal avenues to get in contact with me. You know, Facebook, I think sometimes people get, get it twisted and they really think like they're 5,000 Facebook friends or 400 Facebook friends or whatever, like all of these people care about them <laughs> and they care about their well-being, which they do not. On your, on your list, whether it's IG or whatever, you know, whatever social media outlet that you're using, if you have 30, I'll just bump it up to maybe 50 people on there that actually support you. I mean, like in and out support you, like away from social media, you'd be doing good. But the other 4,900 or 490 or whatever, and I'm, I'm not really concerned with that. What's for me is for me. I don't care if I take a year off. <laughs> One of the things, one of the most interesting things about your videos, um, when you watch them, like you're always high energy, like upbeat and positive. Where does that come from? It comes from the struggle within. You know, my grandmother used to always say, sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a lot of times the interesting factor is for my posts, my videos, especially the ones that I put out with the dancing, I'm going through some troubling times. So I'm really trying to vibrate high, like I'm trying to stay high, high energy to push myself through it. You know, I do have people from time to time when I make a post, they think I'm targeting certain groups or, or people, male, female, or I'm bashing, but that's not the case. 99% of the time, the things that I post about is what I'm actually going through at that particular time. And that's my mechanism for me to get through it, you know, to grow through it, to get over it, to learn whatever lesson is I'm supposed to learn so that I can move forward in life. Because, because your videos are so positive um, and so upbeat, I'm sure most of the people who come to your page tune in for that. So does that make it difficult to be like in a positive mindset all the time? Because let's be honest, when people perceive you that way, when they see you in a negative headspace or they see you posting something that's out of character, it kind of throws them off. You're absolutely correct. And I used to care about that, but I do not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You know, you grow. Well, I'm sorry, because I know some people that are not growing. No dig, no shade. Well, maybe a little bit of shade. But you have to get to the point in life where you understand that seriously and sincerely, everyone is just like you, from the Pope to the Bishop to Oprah to Steve Jobs to whoever else that we can put on this, you know, try to put on this pedestal, like just because they have this, this, or this, like they don't have issues. They don't have the same problems or heaviness with heartache or heartbreak or hardships that, that we have. That's absolutely not true. So yes, I do. Ha we'll have people that from time to time will say, you know, you're always positive. Like you never have a care in the world. 
Well, first of all, I'm not going to show certain people or certain parts of me to people that actually um, do not pray for me. And that's P-R-A-Y. So those that pray and those that support me and can encourage me and, and help to, for me to reconnect and help to recharge me, those are the ones that I privately will go to and say, hey, I'm really struggling with X, Y, Z. You know, can you, can, I, can you lend an ear? Can we just talk about it? But my mechanism and what I've decided to do in this life, the legacy that I want to leave is being able to positively inspire impact and influence people through my words, work, and wisdom. Now, sometimes that words, work, and wisdom is going to be offbeat. Sometimes it's going to be a little low energy because I'm not a perfect person, nor am I trying to, to walk a perfect walk. I'm not trying to live a perfect life. I have the same you know, issues from time to time, and I have different things on my heart that I'm trying to learn from to, to become a better person. So anytime I feel, my opinion, anytime that you're trying to grow in any area, be it emotionally, mentally, romantically, financially, um, socially, culturally, spiritually, there are going to be struggles. You know, one of the things that really bother me, James, is when I'm, I'm talking to people and they're like, oh, I just want peace. Oh, I just want peace. Realistically, people, the only place you're going to find peace at is in the graveyard. Okay, in the cemetery, I mean, like complete peace, put it that way, complete peace, because anytime there is something that is worthy, you have to work at it, you got to work through it, you have to fight for it, you have to, you know, even with the most precious of gems, diamonds, you have to apply pressure. So being able to, you know, just come on, on social media from time to time and, and show an upbeat side of me. It has nothing to do with no cares and no worries. It's just that I, at that particular time, I'm choosing not to show that side of me. <laughs> do you do you have a specific target audience you're reaching? Because I listen to I listen to the music you play. <laughs> like some of it be some of it be like old school. Some of it be like for the youngsters. So it's like I don't know. Like it would the older group. I don't know if they vibe with that, but. Do you have a certain target group you you who after or Let just whoever received the message? Anybody who needs a message of live vicariously through yourself. So to me, that's ages two when you start developing your understanding as a toddler to 90 or 92 or 102. I will have literally, I will have from some of the uh, 80s music that I play or 90s music rap now that I play, I will have older people, older than me, and I'm 49, I'll be 50. I'm very proud to say that I'll be 50 in a few weeks. I will have people older than me that will talk about the songs that I'm playing, but they talk about it in a good way. It's like, oh, you had me in my chair jamming or, <laughs> or you know, girl, you had, I forgot about that song. So I am eclectic. You never know what you're going to get from an Angela sighting. I may do country music. <laughs> I may do opera. I may do gospel, uh, rap, hip hop, ballads. Uh, you know, just whatever moves me at that particular time. It's no, no rhyme or reason when I choose a song or a particular genre. It's just, hey, that's just what I'm, uh, you know, choosing at that particular time for me to re-energize. 
I actually want to talk about that statement that you made. Um, one of your one of your slogans actually, um, live vicariously through yourself. Because I'm gonna be honest, when I read it, I had to really think and think and think. <laughs> and because you know, the definition we've always been taught is you living, you know, you living vicariously through someone else, but you've changed it to living vicariously through yourself. And I'm gonna be honest, as much as I thought about it, I'm just having a hard time grasping it. So I want you to at least help me grasp it. Absolutely. And let me just put your mind at ease. I'm having a hard time grasping it and living through it as well. <laughs> so we're, we're on this journey together. Again, I really have an issue with people who say that they've arrived or they're this guru, this subject matter expert, as if, because to me, that means you have no more learning. You, you're, you know, there's nothing, there's nowhere for you to grow. And I just don't believe in that. But living vicariously through yourself, I was actually on a panel many, many years ago, and mostly 17 to 21 year old females were in the audience. And I had one of the moderators ask me, Angela, what would you, if you could go back, what would you tell your 20, you know, your teen to 25 year old self? And it just hit me. And I said, I would tell myself to live vicariously through yourself. You know, we see all of these images, whether it's on television, through the radio, the media, our friends of friends, the neighbors. I mean, it starts out very early as far as like what's the cool things to wear and, and how you're supposed to live and eat and, and uh, you know, what you're supposed to drive and, and the labels and designers and all that. That starts very, very early. But I have always wanted to be free. I mean, like totally free within my spirit. Like I mentioned to you early on in the podcast where there's just certain things where I no longer care. Like I'm not in bondage mentally, physically, financially, socially, culturally to anyone. Now, are there things that within my own, you know, internal, uh, I guess, warring within myself that I, that I do where I'm not quite living vicariously through myself? Absolutely, because it's a struggle to do that because I'm 49 and you take, I'm just gonna say 43, probably more than that, good years of impressions, outside impressions, external impressions, correct? With everybody, how are you, what type of woman you're supposed to like, what type of man you're supposed to like, how you, you know, I mean, it's just everything where society is trying to tell you this is the standard for this and this is the standard for that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that rules and laws and different things that are put in place to govern accordingly should not be, you know, should not be followed certain standards according to that. But when it comes to, you know, if I don't have this particular sign or symbol hanging off of my shoes or hanging off of my shirt, like, you know, you're devaluing people or we're bullying people or we're picking at people, making them feel less than, that I have a problem with. You know, for someone who their hair may be a different texture or their skin color is a different complexion, all of that follows under the umbrella to live vicariously through yourself. Literally, if I had just a nickel for every time when people find out that I was married to an NFL player, or people that know that I was married to an NFL player and had that particular lifestyle, 
oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had, oh, I wish it was me. Oh my God, I, you know, this and this. But it's not that that lifestyle was bad because it absolutely was not. It was an extraordinary experience for myself as well as for my ex-husband at the time and our two children. However, had I known and been as confident as I am now within myself, I would have been able to handle and navigate and tread through that lifestyle a whole lot better, a whole lot better because, you know, it gets what the wife should look like and what the girlfriend should look like and what the children, I mean, it's just, it's like a never ending keeping up with the Joneses and then the Joneses trying to keep up with the Smiths and then the Smiths trying to keep up, you know, with such and such and so and so it's just, it's just a vicious cycle. So yes, I feel like once you tap into three parts, then you're able to live vicariously through yourself. And that's one, understanding the scores that don't count. The scores that don't count, that's what people say outside of your dynamics for your household. It, it doesn't matter. And you know, if, if they feel like you're not doing something right or, or whatever you decide for you and your household with your family, forget them. You know, they, they don't matter. Those are the scores that don't count. Converting, com, the second thing, converting downs in life to wins. That's making sure that everything that you go through, every stumbling block, you learn something from it and you turn it into a stepping stone. And then the last one is making positive plays every day. You know, making you a better you, not making you, you know, a better you by being like Tyler Perry or whoever. Phenomenal guy now, don't get me wrong, you know, within his own right, but there's no one, one who could be a better you than you. You said you would have you would have liked to change some things if you knew. What were some of the things you would have liked to have done different? Well, I definitely would have been more into bonding with my children more. In that particular lifestyle, you know, you have people that do things for you. And again, let me just put the disclaimer out there. I don't want any messages. If you can afford a housekeeper and a this and a that and a driver and all that, hey, kudos, because truth be told, that's one of the things on my vision board. I want a driver. Driving is overrated. Okay. <laughs> but, but different things that are set in place, and this, this was just for me and my household. I don't know about anybody else's. It was disconnecting me from my children. So if you have people that are cooking and cleaning and being able to take your children to X, Y, Z, I, for me, I would have wanted to cherish more time, uh, you know, spending that time with them, talking to them, uh, being more involved in their life than what I was. And a lot of that had to do with, again, you know, just following that cookie cutter of how this should be, how that should be. Other people have this or, well, we need it too, or else we're going to look like, you know, the outcast or whatever. So, I definitely would have changed bonding more with my children. I think the major thing I would have changed um, at that particular time was living for me as opposed to living for a standard. So the standard at that particular time was, you know, you um, you aspire to be a wife and you, you know, you have children and you settle down and you do this or that. And not saying that I regret it, but I just would have done my life very, very differently. Definitely would have tried to get more into who 
I was, what I wanted, what I needed in life, where I was going in life before I aligned or tried to connect with someone else because I was always reaching and looking to him for that validation or looking for external for validation. So I, you know, I just, I would have worked on me a whole lot more from, I'm talking about like therapy to counseling to different things just to make me a better person. That's what I would have done. So after, after hearing you explain it, it, it's safe to say that you didn't establish an identity for yourself. That is correct. Not during that lifestyle. Nope, surely did. And, and actually, I'm going to go a bit further because I met my ex-husband in high school. So we were, quote unquote, high school sweethearts. I didn't have no self-identity then either. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just... You know, all of this talk that we give now about these different programs to try to help at-risk youth or this program for this, this program, I think when you're two or four, yeah, maybe four, I think there should be some sort of programs that are mandatory where you go and there's like these affirmations that teach you how great you are or, or that just really instill and implant and embed in you, ingrain in you, impress upon you just how wonderful, you know, you truly are and what you can aspire to be, what you can achieve and what you can attain and how you're able to do that. You know, because again, there's bullies and there's people out there that are trying to set all of these, uh, you know, the different standards in place for how we should do this, this or that. But I think if if it's ingrained in your brain at an earlier age, it will be a whole lot harder for those walls to be broken down. You know, like you still have doubt because even myself, as confident as I feel and courageous as I feel, there are still certain things from time to time that I will see, I will read, or I will go through that will really crush me. But I, but because I'm doing the work internally and I'm doing certain things and have been on this journey for about 10 years now to just really tap into all of me to the best and the blessed version of me, those things, it's like, it'll, you know, it, it may get my blood boiling just a little bit, but then I'm like, I'll oh, forget it. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm... Every time I hear you mention something, it makes me want to, you know, it, it brings up another question. So you you guys had a really interesting dynamic. Um, you met as high school sweethearts. So there was, you, you knew this man basically when you two, I mean, you were in high school. So you, you let's be honest, you didn't really have much. I mean, uh, maybe a job or a car, whatever. So you followed this man from high school to college and then eventually to the NFL. So I kind of think that was a tough transition just to, for you both, because you, you, your lives literally changed. Like you went from, I'm not gonna say, I, I don't know what your financial situation was, but when you get to the NFL, I mean, clearly finances change and you said they changed. So that had to be a, a difficult transition. Am I correct? Well, it was difficult for me. It was not difficult for my ex. My ex, and one of the, the things that I've always admired about him and still to this day I admire is his ability to know who he was. He knew that very early. He knew who he was. He knew what he wanted. 
So transitioning is a lot, again, my opinion, my personal opinion, transitioning into any phase, any level, any stage is easier. Not saying that it's that is perfect or that, you know, he stepped into these roles and it was just like no problems, no issues, but transitioning for him was a lot easier than it was for me because he was so confident. He was so sure of himself. Like he always knew he would play in the league. He always knew he, you know, just different things would be a business owner. He would be successful in his own right. And when he was, uh, you know, when he went undrafted, actually, into the league that for some that could have crushed them or it could have made them really, really shrink in fear, but it did not. So even though he went undrafted his rookie year, he was all rookie. I mean, he, he was crushing records left and right under John Elway. <laughs> so for him, it was a breeze. It was like a walk in the park for me. Not so much. Mine was like the yellow brick road, you know, like sometimes I was in the wilderness and other times I was, you know, with the scarecrows listening to the buzzards. <laughs> you, did you have anybody like, because the more I listen, the more like we, we established you pretty much, you said you didn't really have an identity. So that would mean no identity, which means you probably don't really know your purpose. So it was never really nobody like guiding you and sitting down with you saying, hey, maybe you should look at this. Maybe you should look at that. Well, there were a lot of factors um, in that. And honestly, it's kind of like, let me just use this example. So I have two amazing children. They're, they are 33 and 31. And I tell them things all the time and they don't listen. <laughs> I tell them, I say things to them as a been there, done that. They don't care. You know, some of the things they are just destined to take on and figure out for themselves. And then other things they totally crash and burn. So did I have influential people as I grew up? Absolutely. From being in the church, pastor, my grandmother, I was raised by my, my amazing grandparents, had you know, amazing aunts and uncles around me. But I still, like, I just struggled. I struggled with a lot of things. So I was not hearing. I wasn't able to hear any of the positive or the information that I needed for me to be strong. I, and I can't explain why it's because it's kind of like a period where I don't even understand it. You know, like dog is, you know, you're like some your uncles and aunts, you know, successful or people around you were successful. Like, why didn't you latch on? I don't know. <laughs> I can't really explain it other than I just think within myself, there were just certain things that I had to really, really go through and become seated in, in order for me to now have the seats at the tables that I do, you know, or, or take the seats at the tables that, that I'm able to sit at, at this particular point in my life. I'll tell you what, I will say this, um, your husband, um, you know, my ex. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you got to make sure you say that now. Cause you know, you're listening, they <laughs> listening and I'm single. So y'all hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> my my apologies, your ex-husband. You know, when he was, you know, he had a purpose. He was pursuing his dreams and he made it. And like you were there beside him. And this is just my opinion. I'm no expert, but like one of the things when you watch somebody achieve their goals and you see them, you know, doing the things they want to do, and then you're not, 
you almost feel kind of empty. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I think it enhances how you feel even more when the person you love, you get to see them every day living the life they want to live, fulfilling their purpose. And you kind of just like on the sidelines watching. Yep, that is correct. I was literally, I use that term in my book about being on the sidelines and I decided to get off the bench and get in the game. Now, where that comes becomes a little bit tricky, there are people out there who make sacrifices every single day for their children, their spouses, you know, their loved ones for the sake of them achieving their goals and, and you know, finding their purpose and their voice. And then they find themselves. But then there are people like me who, you know, yeah, there was some resentment for my ex-husband because I felt like, you know, man, this ninja, he out here living his best life. And I am you know, just, just lost. And I'm, uh, you know, just, I'm just a wreck. I'm a mess, but it wasn't his fault. And so that's why when I decided to file for divorce in 1999, I did not have any animosity towards him because I knew that he had put some things in place as far as being a good provider. He had been, you know, for the most part, been, uh, leading, uh, as a, um, leading our household, as a good husband, as a good father at that particular point. And, you know, it was just me. I, I can't like stress that enough. And I believe that once you really tackle yourself, like I really had to look at my own reflection. I had to look at my own flaws, my own deficiencies, my own mess, and just be like, you know what? I can't blame this man, or I can't blame society, or I can't blame, you know, even societal clique cliches. I can't blame any of that. I just have to know that I need to do the work on me for myself so that I can then live the life that I was created and I was meant to live. Because at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, really the only person that I can control is me, period. I can control my actions. I can control my thoughts. I can control whether I, you know, atone for mistakes or I don't, but I can't do that for anybody else. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that it is, um, you know, very safe to say that that is a trend sometimes that can happen where you have that, have that resentment. And I held it. I did. <laughs> well, how did you arrive at a decision to divorce? Because, I mean, you know, that, that, you know, once you divorce, I mean, it changes everything that changed the, the uh, family dynamics. Um, you know, people on the outside, you know, not that it's, you know, not that that's too important, but let's just be honest. You know, once you, once you get a divorce, I mean, people, you know, they see that your family see it affects families. So how did you arrive at that decision? Well, I'm going to be totally, totally transparent about the situation. I think that going into our marriage, it was a lie. <laughs> so, okay. so it was a lie from the standpoint of, yes, prior to us getting married, we already had two children. Okay. So at the time they were like two and four or five, and whatever they were. Okay. And the consensus was is that he was going, cause you know, we, we were in, uh, he was in college. I was in high school and it was like, oh, well, he's going to go off. He's never going to marry you. And then for him, what was in his ear was, you better marry her because it's cheaper to keep her. Uh, okay. 
So it wasn't like there wasn't respect there or there wasn't some measure of, of love there. I don't, I'm not going to say that it was in love. I think it was the teenage, you know, uh, starry eyed where you think you love so greatly. Um, but I believe the external, once again, the external noise was just bigger than what we actually should have been doing. It was like chaotic every single moment and minute with us, but not from like an abusive or, you know, verbally or physically, any type of abuse like that. It's just that we just weren't aligned. Like our energies were off and our, you know, uh, direction as far as what we wanted and how we wanted it was just off. So there was a lot of frustration and, and, um, and anxiety. And I think that that's really huge for people to understand because when you try to align with somebody, and I'm not saying it has to be a perfect connection. So that's not what I'm saying. Like, I got to make this much and he has to make this much, or I have to be have this much education and he does. I'm not saying that, but I, I, I believe as it relates to wanting to do equal work, you know, for that person to make sure that that person is secure, and you know, make sure the person is loved and 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 fulfilled in every area. You have to be on the same plateau. And a lot of times we get intertwined, even with certain ones that I've you know attempted to date and they've attempted to date me. When you're not at least willing to be on that same plateau of thinking, it's a problem. Okay. So okay, so you've had time to look back. Um, would you, would you say you, would you say that you two made an honest effort to try to get in alignment with each other? Nope. Because remember, I didn't know who I was. I didn't figure that out until we were long divorced. We divorced in 1999. Okay. We were married in 1993, but we dated from 1988. Okay. So that kind of gives you a little timeline there. We met in 87, started dating, 88, married in 93, divorced in 99. And I mean, I still was going through, even after I disconnected from him and he was had moved on with his life and I was attempting to move on with mine, I still didn't have a clue to who Angela was or just you know how to live my life for me and not for the world, you know, because there's this programming and people don't believe it, but subliminally and otherwise, there's this programming every single day, second by second, minute by minute, that is like telling you you're worthy, you're not worthy, you're cool, you're not cool. You know, I mean, it's just it's just so much that you have to unravel, you have to um, pick apart, you have to do the work. So, he and I just, I mean, there was no point for us to be, uh, you know, for us to be together because we were just two totally different people. Now, with that being said, the confidence that I have now, had I met him now, would we have been on a better, you know, uh, better playing field together? Probably. <laughs> but I wasn't what he needed. And he definitely wasn't, wasn't what I needed because I was holding him back. And he was, um, you know, he couldn't, there was no way for him to help me grow. It just wasn't possible. So how did you end up finding yourself? 
So after going through quite a few, you know, hills and valleys and lows and all of that good stuff, just, just living life from day to day, my mom transitioned in 2013. So just to give you a, a timeline on that. Mm-hmm. And on her deathbed, we had a really, really honest conversation about my life. There were just some things that w- was inside of me where I felt, you know, abandoned. I felt rejected because she didn't raise, you know, she, she, she was never in my life. And I, certain things that I couldn't understand. But on her deathbed, we had a really, really good conversation and I, and it's, this is going to sound really weird, but while she was transitioning, I was then beginning to live. So now, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I feel like it was necessary for her to die. Well, you know, I'm glad that she, she died so I can live, <laughs> you know, I can live, but I just think something within her, within that conversation, within us being able to. Um, you know, her being able to pour into me with truths that helped to free me, that in turn gave me, you know, like the will to live as she was transitioning. It may actually, you know what, it makes a lot of sense, at least to me, because, you know, one of the, one of the things about people when they, you know, when they, when they, get, when they know they're down to their last days, they can be very transparent and very honest. So with them being honest, um, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to have a hurtful conversation with a person when you know you don't have that much time because you know, maybe consciously, subconsciously, you know that you need to have this conversation for healing. And because you can have because you know you don't have that much time, you know that conversation needs to be had for one. And then number two, you know that you're only going to deal with the consequences for so long. Like, you know, your time is limited. So that's one of the things about people dying. They just able to just, you know, they could freely unload, be transparent. And, and even though that conversation hurts the person that you're having it with, you know, it begins the healing process. So I, it definitely makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And it was what I needed. And I, I will say this, even with the struggles that I still go through, and different issues that I'm growing through, 2013 and 2014 was very pivotal for me. And I just have not slowed down since then. I've looked back a couple of times, probably a little bit longer, you know, longer than I should, which I'm getting better at that too, because, you know, I remember what, uh, what was there's like a parable, a biblical parable where she looks back and she turns to a <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to be staring, looking back too long to where I freeze. And but that's a great way to look at it because you do. It's like you're putting your life on pause or you're frozen from living present and even more so in the future, I think. So yeah, we're just gonna continue that moving forward. Definitely. What can the readers expect from the book? Well, they can expect to understand my reality, what my rags were, and what my riches were. Now, I'm not going to spoil it, but usually when you have a title or when you have a book that expounds on rags to riches, it is talking about a person's 
coming from meager or humble beginnings and how, you know, they now have this successful life and they're talking about, you know, materialistic things or being able to have a certain amount of freedom because now they have all this money or they, you know, they've just amassed this, this wealth. And that's great too. But my rags in the book and my riches in the book, because I didn't do chapters, I did sections. So it's reality, it's rags, and then it's riches. And it each one details and chronicles different areas in my life, and it expounds on those three things. They'll have that to look forward to. They'll also have the heart of a woman, a mother, a former, you know, professional uh, professional football player's wife, from the aspect of color you know, being light-skinned in an all-African-American environment, um, you know, being a single mother, being an unwed teen mother at one point, going through divorce, having to go out and get a job after being a former NFL wife and making $10 an hour, okay? <laughs> so there's a lot of, of moments, um, you know, telling moments in the book where, I just had to lay it all out there. I, I will never forget my publisher saying, you know, are you sure like you want to put all of this in there? Because once it's in black and white and once it's in print form, <laughs> you know, you can't take it back. And I said, yes, you know, without blinking, it was just like, yes, because somebody needs to know. Now, am I the only one with a story like that? Absolutely not, you know, but I'm just one of the ones that's bold enough and brave enough to bring our message or bring the message to the forefront so again, people will learn how to live vicariously through themselves as opposed to just putting people on a pedestal and just thinking that their lives are so much better and so much easier than theirs. That's like the furthest thing from the truth. I want to close out with this question. Um, we, you, you talked about like during the marriage, you didn't have an identity. Now, how would you, what would you say your identity is? What would you say Angela's identity is now? Angela's identity is a woman who lives free. I live fulfilled and I live fueled with the highest energy possible. And what that energy looks like, I determine. <laughs> Nobody else does. So I don't care what the style of the week, the trend of the week, the, you know, uh, latest and greatest thing of the week is it doesn't matter. I live totally free. And that is not with the notion that I can do what I want to do and, you know, without any type of repercussions or any consequences. Absolutely not. But what that uh, entails is just me being able to just walk out, have my hair like I want to have it, be the size that I want to be without fear of, of ridicule, you know, and whatever else. If I want to go out, you know, with a natural do, I'm good. If I wanted this or that, if, you know, like I literally walk with my shoulders back and I'm free. And, 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 and let me say this, because some of your female uh, audience may identify with this. The greatest freedom for me is being able to walk into the mall or walk marshals or order whatever and not feel a tightness in my chest when I order the size clothing that I that I truly wear. <laughs> 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 I 
that's something. But think about it. Think about it because I'm literally, there have been many times I've, you know, people will be walking past me and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go grab this size 10 or, you know what I'm saying? Uh, let me go down here to the six, to the four, knowing good God doggone well. <laughs> I haven't seen those sizes in forever, right? But I'm saying something as minute as that is just, it's frustrating, it's anxiety, you know? So just being comfortable and confident within myself and just, you know, clicking that button, this my size, or when I'm in the store picking up, you know, looking through those and I don't care how many people walk behind me. That's true freedom. <laughs> well, I, I definitely want to take the time to thank you for um, being a guest on my podcast. I truly appreciate it. Um, I want to say congratulations on finding yourself because unfortunately, some people go a lifetime and never achieve that. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for the opportunity to connect and just, you know, give an opportunity, uh, the opportunity to talk with your viewers and, and your listeners. And you're right. A lot of people will actually leave this earth and they will never know the joy of freeing themselves. So I too am, am glad that I'm on this journey and I'm, you know, like I'm determined to continue to be free. And I think that's half the battle. <laughs> yep. before we before we end it please make sure you tell the people how they can follow you and how they can get the book yes absolutely um it's www.inotherwordsbystone.com you can google angela marshall um augusta georgia or you can also just search for my book the story and life of an ex-nfl wife i'm on every social media outlet known to man so any of those, you'll be able to, to hit me up, send me a message. You know, I'm also open to constructive feedback. <laughs> <laughs> not critical feedback because you will not get a response. I'm not going to delete you. I'm not going to ban you if you make a comment or if you send an email or whatever. I, you just won't get a response. <laughs> it'd be dead. It'd be dead energy. <laughs> well, again, congratulations. And I wish you all the best with, um, with your business in the book. Thank you. Thank you so very much. All right. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with lamp. You can listen to this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.